surrender ourselves, Lord, to that work this morning. Praying that your word, your spirit, would transform us. That we'd be different when we leave than the way we came in. More like you. So Lord, we pray that, Lord, that your, your word would accomplish its purpose this morning. That your truth would find a home in our hearts. And would continue to minister to us throughout the week. And anything, Lord, that is not of you would be quickly forgotten. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, can I get an amen? Let's build a little expectation for what God's going to do. It's not about what I'm doing, it's about what he's doing. Let's see what God's going to do. Seeing lives transformed into the likeness of Jesus is what the Rock Church exists for. That's what the whole church on the planet exists for. It's our purpose. It's our mission. That mission for the church was taught by Jesus as his last charge to his disciples before he returned to his throne in heaven. Matthew twenty-eight nineteen to 20 records his words. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. That's the job D. As we make disciples, we are called to baptize them and teach them through ongoing discipleship. Today, we're going to baptize four of our disciples here. And I am very excited about that. God is working among us. We do that just as Jesus commanded us to. In Acts 2, Luke tells this awesome story. The Apostle Peter, full of the Holy Spirit, stands before a large crowd. And he explains to them, for the first time, who Jesus really was. That he was from God. That he died to take the penalty of our sin and rebellion. And that God raised him from the dead. That Jesus is Lord and Messiah, the Savior that they had been waiting for. From verse 37 of Acts chapter 2, we read, When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the other, and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. That's church growth. 120 to 3,120. One day. It's a good day. Now, Peter didn't make up baptism. Baptism was already a thing. It was a common ritual at that time. 
It was something that John the Baptist uh, had been doing for a while, ushering in the ministry that Jesus would bring. In New Testament times, it was it was a common ritual symbolizing the washing away of sin and starting a new life, spiritually clean and committed to God. John preached to the people the need to turn from their sinful, selfish ways and recommit themselves to seeking after God and honoring him with their life. Those that responded to this message were baptized. They would wade out into the Jordan River and John and his disciples would dunk them right under. The Apostle Paul explains the meaning behind Christian baptism in Romans chapter 6. Don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Paul uses the analogy of a funeral to explain the mystery of baptism. Going under the water symbolizes burying the old selfish life you lived without God. It's as if Paul is saying, as you go under the water, I want you to bury your old hurts, your old unforgiveness, your old selfish desires, your old ambitions, and your old lusts. As you go under, say to yourself and to God, these things are dead to me now. I am all yours. Just as God raised Jesus from the dead, God raises the disciple to a new life. Even though we may still make mistakes, our heart and our mind are seeking after God. This is what repent means, to turn from our old ways and to follow after God. In Acts chapter 2, Peter shared the good news of Jesus. And as soon as they received the invitation to do so, 3,000 people in the crowd took the first opportunity they had to respond to the gospel. And they were baptized into a new life the same day that they put their faith in Christ. There was no waiting for a, a special sign from God. There was no waiting for that cosmic green light. When it comes to stepping out into faith, the light is always green. Unless God tells you specifically that it's not. When we sit back and wait for a sign from God before we step out in faith, we can end up missing out on the great things that God has in store for us. A quick aside on that, Saul sitting under a pomegranate tree, waiting for the umum and thummim with the priests that they used to determine God's will. God, do you want me to do this? Yes. Or God, no, no, don't do that. That, that was the whole thing they had going on. Paul, um, Saul, is sitting under a tree waiting for the priests so he could determine, God, do you want me to attack the Philistines, which you have told us to get out of the land? God, is this still what you want me to do? Whereas his son, Jonathan... He knows what God's will is. God's made it totally clear. He's not waiting for another sign from God. 
he gets on with what God has already told the people to do. Jonathan and his armor bearer, just two guys with one sword, climb the hill, attack the Philistines on their own, and the Lord wins an amazing victory through them. They weren't waiting for a sign. They just obeyed. Faith demands action. Jesus says in John 4, Don't you have a saying, it's still four months until harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now, those who reap draw their wages. Even now, they harvest the crop for eternal life, so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps is true. God is calling us to a continuous cycle of sowing and reaping. Sowing his love, his grace, his power into our own lives and the lives of others. And reaping a harvest of deeper faith and relationship with him. Reaping the fruit of salvation and transformation in the lives of others as we sow into them. I've come to see baptism is a lot like a, a marriage ceremony, a wedding ceremony, where a person chooses to no longer live her life alone, but to join her life to another. But she is not joining her life to a man. She's joining her life to God. But unlike her marriage to her flesh and blood husband, she will be joined to God forever. Baptism, like a wedding, is a ritual that we attach meaning to. And baptism in scripture is rich in symbolism and meaning. Biblical baptism involves the immersion of the body in water. This ritual has no power in and of itself, but it does symbolize a powerful transformation. It symbolizes death to your old sinful life and your rebirth into a new God-focused life, as we read in Romans 6. It is the identification with the death and resurrection of Jesus, claiming his sacrifice for our sin, as we read in Colossians chapter 2, verse 11 to 12. It's a symbolic bath, washing the spiritual stain of our past and future sins off our life and conscience, as we read in First Peter 3.21. It's a public declaration of our faith and our decision to follow Jesus as we saw in Acts chapter 2, and it also serves as the public initiation of a believer, of a fellow saint, into the fellowship of Jesus' body. As we read in 1 Corinthians 12, 12 to 13. This biblically ordained ritual can be one of the most liberating things a new believer can do. It is often accompanied by the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which we will be praying for. It often draws prophetic words of encouragement and commission, which we will be seeking after. But most of all, it is a simple but profound step of obedience, where we demonstrate our readiness to lay our feelings and excuses down and simply say, Lord, I will follow you. And four of our people will be making that declaration among us today. 
To those who are receiving baptism this afternoon, I want to clarify for you, in case you weren't sure on this point, that we don't put anything magic in the water. The water won't actually wash your sin away today. Christ's blood did that when you put your faith in him. There's no guarantee that you will feel any different when you come out of the water. Most don't. Baptism is not about feeling different. It's about choosing different. Choosing a different life and a different eternity. Getting baptized won't stop you sinning or having sinful thoughts. I promise you. Oh, I wish it did. I'll be back in again this morning and tomorrow and the day after. Yeah, praise him. The actual transformation from your old self to your new self is instantaneous in the spirit. But it takes a lifetime of sanctification to see that work in your mind and your flesh. But don't worry, God has promised to help you with that. And we're going to help you too as he works through us. God's not going to love you more once you're baptized. He loves you without limit or restraint, whether you're baptized or not. Whether you believe in him or not, he loves you completely. We don't get baptized so he will love us more. We get baptized because we love him more. We want to honor him, and so we respond. Getting baptized won't fix your marriage. It won't fix your finances. It won't ward off evil. It won't help you win lotto. But it is one more beautiful step, God's will and his kingdom. So it's special. And I want to honor those who are taking that step today. I'm in a church building at 1049. And what has become an absolutely glorious, warm, Sunny Wellington day. I don't know what happened to that cyclone. I feel a bit let down. I'd psyched myself up for it. But no, this is a great day for the garden. Every day is a good day for sleeping in. But you're here. You're here on a Sunday morning. So I take a wild stab in the dark and, and guess there's a lot of Christians in the room this morning. Is that right? All right. And I imagine that most of you have received received baptism before. Yeah? Yeah. That's pretty fair to say. What does a baptized life look like? Does it look any different? Should it? I think it probably should. Not because you got dunked in church water one time, but for what baptism symbolizes. If that 
baptism, if your baptism symbolized a new life in Christ, are you living a new life in Christ? Are you growing up into the maturity of a new life Jesus brought for you on the cross? There are certain Christian traditions that teach that baptism bestows upon the baptized a certain dispensation or measure of grace that covers a multitude of sins, securing them a ticket into heaven, or at least a ticket into purgatory, where they can work their way up to heaven if they've been naughty. We don't believe we'll teach that here. We don't believe baptism earns us anything. It certainly doesn't earn us entry to heaven. Jesus bought those tickets for us on the cross. There's nothing we can do, no ritual that we can perform that gets us anywhere with God. God responds to faith, not ritual. Our baptism was our symbolic resurrection to a new life in him. A baptized life is that new life in him. A life where we surrender our will and seek out his. Where we pursue him to know him more and love him more. A life where his desires become our desires. And we are progressively transformed into the radiant image of his son. This, unlike baptism, is not a one-time event. A baptized life is something we get up to every morning, recommitting ourselves to live. Every morning we get up and we need to remember because we forget who we are. For the old is dead and the new, the new man, the new woman, the child of God is who we are now. And that means something. It means a different life. We need to live in the new life he died to give us. The question for the baptized believers this morning is, am I truly living the new life Christ died to give me? Or have I forgotten who I am? And am I slipping back to my old identity, my old life? Ask the Spirit to speak to you on this. And in the words of King David in Psalm 139, Search me, God, know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting this needs to be my prayer every morning if you have put your faith in Jesus as your Lord and Savior and you have not received baptism can I ask you why not not judging you it's not something you judge people over but I do wonder why. Maybe we need to preach it more. 
I don't think you're a bad Christian. If you're not baptized, that's not what the Bible says. But the invitation is there for you. And it's God who's asking. The understanding of many Christians today is that you can't get baptized until you've got your life sorted out. That you've stopped sinning and are not likely to start again. Some people are afraid that if they do get baptized, they might make a fool of themselves and Jesus. If later on they do something that baptized people shouldn't do. Did you know even the Apostle Paul acted in a way that baptized people shouldn't? He says in Romans seven fourteen to 25 that he still struggles with sin and that he sometimes does the evil that he does not want to do. That's a quote. Paul was baptized the day of his conversion when he was the worst Christian persecutor in the world. That's the day he got baptized. He's on his way to see Christians arrested and executed. And that's the day he gives his heart to the Lord. And later on, he still didn't think that he had it all sorted. Does that mean his baptism reflected badly on himself or Jesus? No. If your faith is real, so is your baptism as a legitimate statement of that faith. Baptism is not a promise never to sin again. And good luck keeping that promise. It's a commitment to receive his forgiveness and to try in his strength to live a forgiven life, a life surrendered to him as your very benevolent Lord. If you're waiting till you're perfect before you get baptized, you're going to be waiting a very long time. Or you could recognize that God sees you as perfect. Because when he looks at his children, he sees his son, Jesus, who is perfect. God sees his sinless record clothed on us. Some people don't think they need to get baptized. It's just a symbol. It doesn't do anything. It's a ritual. I'm into relationship, not religion, man. Now, some of that is, some of that is true in a sense, but if that's your reason for not getting baptized, I think you're missing the point. Baptism is, baptism is a ritual of relationship. It's a declaration of our love for him. It's a ceremony claiming him as father and as friend. We get baptized because God asked us to. What reason would we have to turn down an invitation from God? If you are a disciple of Jesus and you have not received baptism, again, I ask yourself, why is that? If you can't think of a good reason, the invitation stands today. We've got a pool ready to go. Semi-tepid water, mostly clean. It's a symbol anyway, don't worry about it. You can go home and have a shower. But we could respond to God's invitation today. In the account of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts chapter 8, we read 
This brand new convert was baptized immediately after giving his life to Jesus. After hearing the gospel, he says to Philip, look, here is some water. Why shouldn't I get baptized? Philip, led to this man by the Holy Spirit, could think of no reason not to baptize him right there and then. So he did it. The church baptized 3,000 people into faith the day they heard Peter preach the gospel, Acts chapter 2. The same day. And Paul sums it up nicely at the end of his sermon to the Jews in Acts 22.16. When he says, after sharing his testimony with them, he says, And now, what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, wash away those sins, calling on his name. So that question stands for us all. What are we waiting for? What is holding us back from getting in the water? What is holding us back from living the new life he has given us? What are we waiting for? I pray that those questions would be able to take away with us today. Thinking about that through the week. What is holding me back from claiming the promises that he has spoken over us? What is holding us back from claiming the new life that we were baptized into? What is holding us back from obedience and getting into the baptism pool? What is holding us back? And we pray and we ask the Holy Spirit to speak to us and reveal what is holding us back. We confess that, we share that with brothers and sisters in Christ who will walk with us, lifting us up. We confess that to God, asking him to do a work in us, softening our heart, bending us to surrender. And each day we seek after him and we try. And in his strength, amazing things will happen in us. Sound like a good idea? All right. Well, I'm going to give it a go tomorrow. Let's pray. Lord, I I didn't hear a voice booming from heaven the day I was baptized. Uh, a dove didn't come and alight on my shoulder. But in my heart, I knew that my Father in heaven was looking down on me and saying, this is my Son with whom I am well pleased. And Lord, I just want to please you. I know that faith pleases you, Lord. So I want to grow in the faith that you've given me. And I want to live in faith, following where your Spirit leads, stepping out in faith beyond myself. I know that is true for my brothers and sisters here this morning. So I pray, Lord, that you would illuminate the path in front of us and show us what the next step is, whether it's into the baptism pool, whether it's into deeper commitment. But Lord, help us to step more and more into this new life that you bought and paid for with your son. Thank you, Lord, that you love us entirely, completely. 
I pray, Lord, that that love would well up in us, growing for you and for each other. And that we'd come to know what a baptized life truly is. In Jesus' name, amen.